Over 500,000 Colombian families depend on coffee farming to survive, but five decades of war forced millions of Colombians to flee their land and abandon their crops. In recent years, the violence has decreased and many farmers have returned to their land, but getting back to farming hasn't been easy. Jennifer Dunn reports on how Colombian small-scale coffee farmers are struggling to protect their crops and their way of life. Jairo Martinez has been farming coffee the same way his family has for generations, in the Sierra Nevada mountains of Colombia's northeastern coast. These are the highest coastal mountains in the world. From Jairo's small plot of land, we have a sweeping view over dense foliage to the Caribbean Ocean 2,000 meters below. Jairo doesn't use machinery or pesticides. He harvests, cleans, and sorts the beans by hand. When he goes to market, he borrows his neighbor's mule for the five-hour trek down the mountain. It's a whole way of life. One gets used to the land. Even after everything one has been through, this is what one loves. But it's hard starting over after losing everything you had. Jairo is struggling to keep his farm going. He and his family were forced to flee escalating violence in 1996. Paramilitaries destroyed village property and executed locals they accused of being guerrilla sympathizers. As soon as the region settled, Jairo returned to withered crops, washed out roads, and plummeting coffee prices. My plan is to make my farm productive again and build something to leave my family. The annual cost to sustain a finca doesn't give you the harvest to sustain you throughout the year. I haven't been able to recover what I lost. Coffee prices fell from $3 a pound in 2011 to $1 a pound in 2013. With the cost of production averaging about $1.50 a pound, growers struggled to cover costs. The government offered some subsidies, but not enough to cover production losses. Jairo and his sisters lead me around their property, explaining the traditional process they use for preparing their coffee beans. We put the berries through this hand grinder to remove the pulp. The beans ferment in this basin of spring water. We spread them out on the cement slab to dry them in the sun. He sifts out a handful of pulpy white berries. They're flesh pocked with irregular brown spots. There's a labroca right here. She's right here. This parasite is terrible. It eats up our profits. Civil war, labroca, and low prices aren't the only challenges to hit Colombian coffee farmers in recent years. In 2011, torrential rains destroyed billions of dollars worth of crops. After the rains eased, La Roya, an aggressive coffee fungus, flourished, decimating remaining plants. Colombian farmers reeled from these setbacks just as Brazil and Vietnam stepped up production, flooding international markets with lower-quality, lower-cost beans. Colombia's National Coffee Federation, which exports fair trade coffee under the Juan Valdez label, is supposed to support farmers through these kinds of adverse conditions and market fluctuations. But Jairo can't afford the basic investments required to join the federation, like storage silos and the organic certification process. He is buried in debt, still struggling to regain what was destroyed in the conflict. Paramilitaries burned his house to the ground. He and his sisters still live under a tarp shelter. They don't have electricity or running water. 
Es como difícil recuperar hasta la confianza en, en otra vez nuevamente. Como... It's even difficult to regain our confidence because of what we suffered. We don't have a good filtration system. They destroyed everything, like our house. I just had to put up this shelter. We are just trying to progress year by year. With these bad harvest and coffee prices, we can't regain what we lost. This is the reality with coffee now. We can't afford to hire any help. I have to do everything myself. It's hard to believe Jairo isn't eligible to sell his coffee under the Fair Trade Juan Valdez label. The fictional Juan Valdez was a 1960s advertising creation intended to connect consumers to the origin and quality of their coffee beans. He could have been designed in Jairo's image. With his work ethic, passion for his crop, remote mountain farm, and kind, sun-wrinkled face, Jairo is exactly the kind of humble farmer millions of U.S. consumers believe they are supporting when they line up to buy quality fair trade coffee each morning. It'd be nice to have another way to sell our product, like in a farmer's market or exchange, because as it is now, we can only sell to middlemen who take double of what we earn. With this system, we lose more than we invest. But other coffee farmers I spoke with, who are members of Colombia's National Coffee Federation, say the Federation hasn't provided enough support to pull them through the volatile prices and tough conditions of these past few years. After visiting coffee plantations above the town of Minca, I shared a ride down the mountain with Federation member Mariana Cruz. She runs a farm that has been in her family for three generations. It's a tradition. The majority of people cultivate yuca, maize, plantain, more profitable crops, until coffee prices rise again and one can say it's worth it. But for now, this is what we have to do. She and thousands of other farmers are diversifying, hoping that growing plantain, yuca, and potato will help make up for their losses with coffee. In early 2014, coffee prices began rising again, but farmers can't rush back to coffee. New plants take four years to mature and begin producing berries. So recent crop shifts mean a long-term drop in Colombia's overall coffee production. <laughs> 57-year-old Susana Angarita, who also operates her family's farm in the Minca region, agrees that farmers are reluctant to shift their focus from coffee. I spoke with her at a coffee shop on a busy corner in the nearby city of Santa Marta. El turismo en el eje cafetero ha sacado muchas haciendas Many haciendas have turned to tourism because it's the boom, at the same time conserving the tradition of coffee. And I've learned that the business of coffee is to process it and sell it, but not just sell it, but sell it by the cup. We have great expectations in that aspect. Susana isn't alone. A number of coffee fincas throughout Colombia have rebranded themselves as tourist destinations and are enjoying steady business in the nation's growing tourism market. But Susana knows this isn't an option for most. Not every person can do that. It's not what we do. We know farming, not how to make a bed. The older generations will not stop farming coffee. Unfortunately, we'll see the next generations walk away from the industry. This will hit the Federation very hard. That has been the case for Jairo. His dream is to leave his farm to his children, but they've already made lives in a nearby city. 
They are haunted by the violence that drove them from their mountain home and have no plans of returning to the family business. But for Haido and hundreds of thousands of Colombians who were raised growing coffee, it's difficult to imagine another life. Haido says the struggles these families face now will have far-reaching implications for the nation. Back in the U.S., the price for a cup or pound of coffee remains steady. U.S. consumers continue seeking out Colombian coffee, most unaware of how perilous the futures of Colombia's smallest growers are. Haido may never be able to bring his farm out of debt and back to full productivity. Colombia will lose part of its artisanal coffee culture with Haido's generation. For Making Contact, I'm Jennifer Dunn in Santa Marta, Colombia.